If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. All right. Uh, tonight, I mentioned uh, last last Sunday, that I was going to try to put the two Ephesians letters together um, to do lesson one, or lesson nine and lesson ten before uh, we started the month of August, and of course we have a Wednesday night here before the, the fifth Sunday, so we're, we've ended all of our series and we're beginning something new. And so for this month, on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, I wanted to cover just a wide range of topics, and I've got, actually I put online probably about eight or ten topics that... I'm planning on talking about, but if there's something within this that you would like for me to discuss or for us to study together a topic, we can throw that in there too. And if it bleeds into uh, September, that's fine. But on Sundays and Wednesdays, we're going to address some questions. And so I call it asking for a friend because sometimes people come to me and say, hey, I got a friend who has this question and I'm asking for them, how does... What does the Bible say about this? Or how does a Christian uh, you know, react when this particular topic comes up? So there'll be a lot of topics through these few weeks that I hope will be um, very beneficial to all of us. And it also challenges us a little bit uh, to think more critically about how we answer uh, things that people ask us. We, we begin to kind of really ponder the exact way we approach uh, the answers that we give uh, sometimes just giving people outright scripture, which is great, because I think if you can give them a scripture reference, it's fantastic, but also offer some context, uh, like uh, we were talking about it in class this morning. You know, sometimes we will, as we grow and mature, we may uh, not know a lot about that subject. And so if somebody comes to you and says, hey, why do you believe this? Or how is a Christian supposed to react to that? You don't have to automatically provide an answer. So just kind of take a breath and go, you know what? That's a great question. Uh, I'll tell you what, let me write that down, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down with my Bible, and you do the same, and then let's come back together and let's put our heads together and see what the Bible says about it. Now see, doesn't that sound very simple? So if somebody comes to you with a tough question and you're willing to tackle it then, do it. Uh, there's a great number of Bible resources that have an automatic um, you know, a, a Bible reference for every topic. We have a couple of them in the... Um, library. One is by Paul Sane, and it's basically a ready reference, kind of like what Nichols, I don't know if you remember, anybody remembers Nichols Bible encyclopedias? It was one of the first Bible books my grandpa got me. It was like this thin and stood about this tall, very awkward, but it worked great in your pocket. And so um, he gave me one, and then a few years later, he gave me another one. I guess he thought I'd wear the first one out. So I have both of them with little inscriptions from my grandpa in it. 
But uh, when you have an opportunity to study with somebody, never, ever pass that opportunity up. Always take a chance. If anybody brings up any biblical subject or any subject at all that they want to discuss with you, don't run from it. Listen to somebody's point of view. If you're going to try to teach somebody, you have to also learn how to listen. And sometimes we feel when we're talking to somebody about Jesus, we just kind of want to overwhelm them with our story and overwhelm them with Scripture and just so excited that we're going to be able to teach them and convert them. But we forget that they're coming with a lot of spiritual baggage. And so we have to sit down and say, okay, well, where do you come from? What do you believe? Uh, How do you feel about this? And so you bounce ideas back and forth off one another. The final result, obviously, is what the Bible says. But if they say, hey, I feel this way, you go, well, okay, well, let's see what the Bible says about it and talk about it. But you don't have to answer it in that exact setting. You can wait a little bit and get back to it. And I, I mentioned this morning also in class that I don't have a problem with people calling me. If you call me and say, hey, I need a little help with this or I'm looking for a few verses, I'll help you. But um, ultimately, what would be great is if each of us became enough readily aware of certain Bible themes that we can turn immediately to it. And one way to do that, and I highly encourage this, I very much encourage it. If you've got a highlighter or a marker, do not be afraid to highlight in your Bible. If, for instance, uh, this is a great one. This is a really good illustration to use. Let's say you have somebody come up to you and they ask you about baptism. And you go, well, I know Acts 2.38, you know, or I know... Uh, Acts 9 and the conversion of Saul. You may know a couple of stories, but you, you, don't re- you can't recall off of the, that moment every single passage on the Bible. But what if you took a blue highlighter and you highlighted every story in the New Testament that emphasized baptism? Well, next time you flip your Bible open, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see blue. Blue, water, baptism. So same thing about Jesus. If you're studying the words of Jesus, most Bibles have his words in red. So when you turn to the New Testament and you start seeing red, that's the words of Christ. So the same trigger can happen if you highlight with colors. I do a a purple or pink represents prophecy in my Bible. So when I see that, I know it's a a prophecy. uh, It's a Bible promise. And so you can use those things. And also, if there's a really good sermon you're hearing and there's a couple notes you want to take, write it down on the corners of your Bible or write it in the front, write it in the back. I would encourage everybody, Hazel does this, it's a sticky. You can actually put it in your Bible. It's the plan of salvation. You can just stick it right in there or you can write it on the front of your Bible so that when you're talking to somebody, you have that ready reference. And maybe that'll help a little bit in, uh, in our conversations with people. Yes, this is a fantastic one. I've had these since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, okay? Uh, basic Bible references. These were put out by John Hurt. John Hurt's also the one who does an eight-lesson Bible correspondence series. Uh, we use that from time to time in getting to know your Bible when we run out of World Bible School material. And this little ready reference has everything from baptism to worship. Uh, it's got uh, things about uh, once saved, always saved, sin, Old Testament law. It's even got some references on the Holy Spirit. So... Thank you, Steve. There are, there are six of them right here. I'm going to put them on the table, and we'll see who's fast enough, okay? So when services are over with, you need to grab one of those. And if you don't get one, yes? Yes. Absolutely. And you could stick it right in there. Do we have some more in the conference room? We do. Yeah, that is great. And so anytime, and if you have more than one Bible, take more than one sticker. Uh, put, it in the, put it in the Bible so that you can be able to be ready on go when somebody talks to you. Um, my grandpa used to always leave a Bible in his car. I've got one in my 
car that is the case is coming off of it because it's always so hot. But, um, but I keep one in the car at all times. So anytime you're having a conversation, you're just at the ready. And most everybody uses their phones. So you can actually set up a folder on your phone. They have things like important documents. You may have a video folder or a photo folder. Start a folder for uh, Bible studies and save that in your phone. So if you're not, if you're not near uh, a stack of handouts or a Bible correspondence course, you can actually save that in your phone or you can go to our church website. We have a ton on there. So th there are plenty of resources. All we have to do is have the, the gumption. We have to have the courage that when someone asks a question that we try to help tackle that with them. So tonight, I want to talk about the sanctity of life. This is a fairly big issue, and it really rolls into two main subjects. I'm going to try to throw a third one in here tonight. But I've had people ask me about the sacredness or the sanctity of life, being able to uh, give a good defense as to why every single human life matters, and yes, that includes the unborn. Uh, it used to be there was... Uh, abortion's always been a hot topic, uh, even before the overturn of Roe v. Wade, which they're trying to turn it back. Um, but we've had things like euthanasia has always been an important topic. You know, what do you do when uh, somebody says, I just don't want to exist anymore? Uh, that's another part of the sanctity of life issue. And for those of us who went to the movie, I also want to talk about uh, another major problem we're facing in our country that has just surpassed the drug trade, and that is sexual trafficking. So we'll talk a little bit about that tonight, too. Uh, and we'll do like we normally do. I'll run through these slides, and then we'll, we'll pause for some questions and uh, make some comments. So let's start with, I don't know if you can read these charts, but you can see the colors, okay? So on here are some statistics, and this is a chart of the number of abortions since the 1970s, okay? The CDC, and you can go to their website, the CDC website, effectively in 2022 or 2021, said that abortion had gone down from 1.6 million in 1990 to 620,327. So 620, 327 abortions in 2020 in the District of Columbia and 47 states. 14.4% of those women were between 15 and 44. That means that uh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of young girls are also getting abortions. That's from Pew Research. Then over here on the bottom, just prior to the overturn of Roe v. Wade, the average abortion was requested from these women. And I want you to think just for a minute about the, the women that are getting these abortions, okay? The first is women in poverty. 49% are below the poverty line. 49% that get an abortion. Uh, unmarried, 60%. 60%. Are unmarried. There is a large group also of those that are married with a kid, but they don't want another one. Uh, mid to late 20s, 57%. So there's a large group of them. 41% have some college education, so they're not all high schoolers. Um, most of them are within the first trimester, 79%. But there are others that will come in in the second trimester, and yeah, even up into the last minute to try to get one. 68% uh, uh, lean to the left. And that is evident from uh, their, their research. And then 67% are minority. And so there are just a huge number of minorities that never make it into this world because of abortion. And then 56% are first-timers. They've never had one before, 
and they go in and they have one. So the numbers have been down before the uh, overturn of Roe v. Wade, but that's still millions, and that's just the United States. There are still millions of children that their life is terminated before they can ever take their first breath. And so that ought to cause a, a ripple in our mind and in our heart that something needs to be done, something needs to be said about it. And I want to submit to you today that the Bible has a lot to say about the sanctity of life. So here are a few things we can see from Scripture. First of all, remember in the garden, if you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, in the garden when God creates Adam and Eve, uh, he says something very interesting when uh, he's finished with the creation process that's led up to the crown glory of creation, which is humans. And it says that then God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, I'm going to, we're going to take and just, I want to highlight one thing and then we're going to come right back. How serious does God put uh, on humanity? How, how serious is he about preserving, protecting, and executing justice for his children? The Bible consistently lays this out. Now think about not just the image of God, but even the name of the child of God. In uh, the Ten Commandments, it says not to take the name of the Lord God in vain. Well, we are created in the name of God. We are created in the image of God. And so he wants us to be able to be protected. That's why he watches over us. He doesn't just let all of us, you know, um, fly off the planet, which would be easy if he shut gravity off for a minute. <laughs> but he takes care of us. He provides the oxygen, all of the, the trees, he says, the birds, all of that. And he says, I want you to be humans. I want you to be the crown glory. I want you to be the the best of the best. You are the most important creation, and I'm going to create you in my image. The other thing, too, is we go into the book of Exodus, and we see that not only are humans that are uh, breathing and walking the earth valuable to God, but also little humans. Uh, I had a bumper sticker once. It wasn't very popular, uh, but Travis Creasy, a buddy of mine, found it on the internet and, uh, you know, all the time they're like, save the baby whales, you know, save the forest, you know, save the this, save the that. Well, I had one of a little embryo and it says, save the baby humans. <laughs> and some people were like, yeah, it's kind of offensive. I was like, it's not offensive to me. I'm trying to save millions of children. Um, and from the list, you can tell that, that they put these abortion clinics strategically in places to prey on people of poverty. And so that is a, a terrible thing, as they say, this is, this is the gist of it. You know, our government tries to help everybody, and it would be great if we didn't have as many people. So let's put an abortion clinic in an area where we'd like to kill more people. And that's what ultimately our government did. And so when you go into these cultures and these cities and places where they have these large clinics, and they can do drive-by clinics, and they can do all this kind of stuff, it, is, it's, it ought to be sickening to us. Because in Exodus 21, if a person were to injure a woman and the baby dies, guess what happens to the man? He gets the death penalty. Because the, the child that loses its life is valuable to God as much as the mother is valuable to God. And in most countries, 
this is this is seen as evident. You know, I mean, everybody believes this. In fact, you remember some time ago that Scott and Lacey Peterson thing. You remember all that stuff? Well, he got two counts of murder against him because he killed his wife who was pregnant with his unborn child. So our even our government knows, our most cases know that you shouldn't kill a child. But in this case, I don't know why ACLU didn't go to bat for Scott Peterson and say, oh, now wait a minute. That baby was still inside of her, so we can't count that. They didn't do that, did they? But there are times that they will advocate that any child inside the womb is not a child, it's not really a human, until it comes out and breathes. So even up to the moment of birth, there are some that advocate that child could be terminated. And I'm not going to show you the video. If you want to see it, go to YouTube um, and see what happens when they do these um, these abortions, and they are absolutely horrific. We also know that the people who do these abortions are monsters. And yes, I say that. I know I'm online. I don't care. The people who commit these atrocities are monsters. Remember the Kermit Gosnell story? This is a, a man who did multiple abortions, and he said, ah, that kid's kind of cute. I'll keep his arm. Ah, that kid's got a quite a good size. Let's keep the liver. And when they went into his place of business, all over his office were body parts of humans. And to make a matter worse, they found out that he was selling baby parts to certain organizations that were running tests. Those that are trying to figure out if a certain medication is good for you to take, they test it on the fetus first. And so this is what they do. So they sell, the, and, and, and you can go online and watch these with Planned Parenthood anytime you want, where there is somebody sitting down at a dinner, and they go, look, I need uh, 10 baby livers, I need 12 baby lungs, and I need, and they go, okay, we'll have it to you by next Thursday. And this is what's happening. This is how disgusting it is that our world is so pitiful and so far morally that uh, we're selling body parts. In fact, you can go and purchase in places like in California certain products, women can, beauty products. You ever wonder why these, some of these women who are, they, they just don't age? Well, they're using, they're using blood from babies to put onto their skin to be able to enhance their age. So this is where our culture is. So you think it's not, I mean, that's demonic, it's monstrous. So in the Bible, we, we are taught that every single human, even the one that is yet to be born into the world, is precious in the sight of God. Another thought, too, from Leviticus 17, there, is a, there are several uh, commands of God that say that the life is in the blood. And the reason why that is emphasized is we should not go back to um, Proverbs chapter 6. One of the things that God hates is the shedding of of innocent blood. Blood should not be spilt. Blood should not be taken. Blood is precious to God because our life is in the blood. And so we have several scriptures that teach us we're not to take a life. We're not to, to commit murder. It's, it's ultimately uh, you know, between the court, I guess you could say, and the individual who has committed the crime. We have to trust. And I know we're not very not all excited about our justice system, but it is better than a lot of other places. And we have to trust that when something happens, that they will take care of it, and then ultimately God will take care of it. But we must not want to shed innocent blood. 
Uh, and then also we need to protect the homeless. Several times, uh, or helpless, and several times in the Bible, anyone who is without a home, without a shelter, anybody who is orphaned, and anyone who is a widower, a widower, they're taken into a special consideration by God for protection. And not just there, it's seen also in James 1 and verse 27, where it says, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to keep yourself unspotted, to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction, and keep yourself unspotted from the world. So protecting those that cannot protect themselves is a hallmark of godly living, especially in the New Testament church. We can go to Psalm 127 where Solomon talks about how children are a, a gift from God. And some of us need to be reminded of that because sometimes we're not sure it's a good gift. We want to return it, right? But our children, are, they, they can be difficult. They're sometimes, you know, they, they run their mouth, you know, they just, but they're still a treasure from God. And we love our kids. Uh, we, we have times where they test us and we get frustrated, but we know and we would, we would not know what to do if we lost them. We love our children, and they are a gift from God, so we want to protect them. So if there is anything, any, any, um, any group that is trying to kill children or abuse children, we should, as a New Testament church, take real offense to that. And I mean be vocal about it. Another thing, Psalm 139 talks about how God forms the child in the womb. Jeremiah also talks about that is that he has plans for this child. And this fly is testing my... Uh, yeah, I tried. I tried a minute ago. Yeah. I had Hazel's blanket, and uh, I was whipping it at it, but he's going he, he's gonna to slow down in a minute. That means it's not cold enough in here, by the way. <laughs> if everybody's sweating and there's flies, you need to turn the air on a little bit more. Otherwise, the flies will continue to reproduce. They've been here since last week. Um, so God plans a future... For every child, and we should be willing to let that child have an opportunity to live a good life. Uh, here's three things real quick. Children are worth protecting. They're worth protecting. Their life is just starting. Uh, for a child to be uh, abused or to, be, to have any pain inflicted on them, and I don't just mean physical, I mean uh, mental abuse, we should take serious um, those actions. I mean, we should speak as, as much as we can, that justice needs to be served for people who do that. Uh, they should be given punishment, severe punishment for what they've done. The elderly are worth protection. Our older members, our older people, family members need to be protected. They need to be looked after. They need uh, aid and help uh, every chance that we have. And then the weak are worth protecting. Uh, if we say, well, you know, uh, they're, and this happens in other countries, they're just not, they're a drag on society. Why don't they just go off down there and just die? And, the, and you hear people talk about how certain dynamics of our community, you know, they say, well, we, we just wish that they weren't here. You know, we wish they weren't around. And I hate that because as a Christian, we should want every person to belong to the same body, which is the church. There is no one, no individual, and I'm talking about no matter how bad they may be, that is still a soul that needs to be saved. We've got to learn to try to uh, reach out to people that are weak. That's why Jesus says you go to the prisons and you look for the sick and you look for the hungry and you look for those that without clothes. They are worth protecting. Jesus came to seek and save all. He came to, to give and not take. And so that's another reason why the sanctity of life is so important. I'll fly through these next couple slides real quick, and I'll put them on the internet as well for you to see. We went and see the movie uh, on Sunday night after church, The Sound of Freedom. 
And uh, there, there is a little bit of language. It gets a little spicy at a couple points. Uh, but there are many times within the movie that you will be fiery mad, that you will say, well, somebody's got to do something about this. And I'll tell you that uh, it, 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 in, in a way, it kind of has a happy ending, in a, in a way, but it's still terribly tragic what happens in the movie. And it is just a piece of a larger puzzle. About any statistic you read, any of the groups, and I'm going to show a couple of them on the screen, all agree that about $150 billion are made or spent each year on human trafficking. Most of those are women and children. And up here, uh, 42% of the people who recruit are women. That's what happens in the movie. A woman who is a beauty queen is able to recruit people. Um, I know, yeah. You should have went with us. No. Uh, the average age is between 12 to 14, and I'll tell you something extremely tragic. The lifespan of those in sexual trafficking situations, those, which is slavery, modern-day slavery, are, is seven years. So those little girls and little boys that are being abused, once they've used up their usefulness, they just kill them. And it is a horrible, horrible thing that's happening. It has now surpassed the drug trade. It is the number one trade in America, number one trade in the world. It's the fastest growing business of organized crime. 80% of all those that are, that are trafficked are for sexual trafficking. They are intentionally brought from certain countries and sold for sex. And that ought to, that ought to tear our hearts up. Uh, 45 million people are affected in 167 countries. So, uh, and two, billion, two, billion, 2 million of those are children. Uh, here's another slide. Uh, again, up here at the top, you'll see it says seven years, the average life expectancy of someone who has been trafficked. And it is modern-day slavery. It is a big business, and these people are taken from their homes, from their culture, and forced into a lifestyle that is is horrific. I don't think you can see the needed to be blown up here. You see where the red box says modern day slavery, 150 billion? Underneath that, it's going to trigger a nerve, okay? Underneath that are businesses that support this movement. They support it based on using certain individuals that are trafficked for the purpose of using them like in sweatshops and in places where they're making, and, and you can look, it's online, look at all these statistics. We're talking about iPhone, uh, Apple, Samsung, all of them. They, you know, they claim to be woke. They claim to be, you know, they, they're very enlightened, but they're actually taking advantage of this. And I think it's very important for us as Christians to speak up if there is a business that is you know, profiting from or using individuals that have been trafficked, that should be a, as soon as we find out, we never enter that store again. You know, we, we need to be vocal about it. But every country is affected, every single one, 20.9 million victims worldwide. And so Human Rights First, uh, their website says, let's bankrupt slavery. They want you to boycott anybody who has a hand in this. And you'll also see over here this little map shows the areas where it is much higher, like California, Nevada, and Florida, and New York. Pennsylvania also has a large number. Uh, here is human trafficking arrests by state in 2019. Do you see two zeros on those states? You see that? Yeah. Alabama, 
and Colorado had none in 2019. But all the other states had multiple. Yeah, Rick? The what? Oh, the businesses? Yeah, okay. So it's uh, ExxonMobil, um, Samsung, uh, Apple. I can't see the rest of them on there. Let me see if I can see it on here. That's what I get for making it so small. I'll tell you what, I'll put that on, I'll put that on the site as soon as I get done tonight. I'll, I'll make sure and make that available. Um, and then going back to uh, by state, some states have not reported, intentionally not reported it. You saw on the previous slide that uh, Colorado and Nevada are two of the largest, but Colorado will not, or uh, California will not report their numbers. They refuse to do it. And so you know when Colorado and New York say, we're not going to tell you how many cases we found, that it's probably a whole lot. Um, on here, what happens to those who are trafficked after their seven years is up? Well, some of them are sold into prostitution where they're pimped out. Some are used for domestic service. This is a big one. A large percentage of these will be harvested for their organs. They will take these children and these women, and when they reach, outreach their usefulness, or they become too injured to perform, they will have their organs harvested. And so just think about that. There are a lot in California, for instance, a lot of these celebrity circles, that they actually eat certain organs. And it just, this is our world we live in. Uh, agricultural and also factories. And then there's 12% that they, uh, the Department of Justice and the Department of Health and Human Services, they don't know where they go after that. My question is, how do we know that there's this many numbers and we know this many states that are dealing with it and we're not stopping the problem? And obviously the problem is because it's, a lot of it's coming across our south border. They can't put them on a United flight and get them here. It'd take a lot of paperwork. But they can put them in the back of a Jeep or a car or a van and bring them over across the border. So we need to be very, very concerned about these particular issues. Then I wanted to give you this too, and then we'll stop here and take some questions. Here's some red flags. We live, uh, when I was down in Gulf Shores uh, at our offices, church offices, one day there was a bunch of cop cars. And uh, did you know things happen in our community that are never reported? Hello? They're, I mean, they happen next door, and you'll never know about it. You'll have 10 child molesters living in your vicinity and you don't know unless you go to the website because they don't go around knocking doors like they're supposed to. Whenever you see people, there's a lot of them down here in Gulf Shores. We had a house next to the church building, just down from the church building, that was raided and they had like a dozen or two uh, Moldovian and Bulgarian girls that were working at the hangout and working at uh, uh, the Sunlighter Diner and all those. They were working down there and admire real estate and they had no idea that these girls have been brought here to be trafficked. So they were using them in labor, but they were also using them for prostitution. It happened in a very close proximity to the church, and not one word about it was on the news. They don't want you to know it. They don't want you to know what's happening in our, in our community. So here are some things. If you, if you see someone that's waiting on your table, they speak another language, uh, and I'm not saying profile or anything like that, but if you notice certain signs and symbols on their body, if there's a marking, a tattoo marking that looks like a barcode or a symbol that's just odd and you don't know what it is, you can always ask. 
if you see somebody with injuries, you know, if you see somebody who's been bruised or beaten, don't hesitate to ask, are you okay? What's going on? See if they will open up to you. Um, if you see them with more than one cell phone, if you see them with a wad of cash, or if you see them begging for cash, if you see them using only gift cards uh, to buy things, if they wear sexually provocative clothing and the weather outside doesn't call for it. Uh, I always tell my kids that if I see some kid out here in the middle of the summer and he's wearing a hoodie and jeans, uh, I, my parents told me that many was on meth. You know, <laughs> I mean, that, so I'm like, look at these kids, they're wearing a, a giant sweater in the middle of, of summer. And I'm like, are you sure you're not on something? But that is a sign of someone who is, is in a difficult situation. If they're unable to make decisions without approval, if they will not make eye contact, look at people when you're out in the community because you will find that there are, there may be an Amber Alert. I was talking to Mike and Candy about this last night. There was an Amber Alert on the highway, them driving through Florida, and a car just blew by them that met the description. And he tried to catch up to it. And, and you know, you're trying to call 911 and everything. Don't hesitate to do that. You might be the only person that supplies a name or an, uh, a tag number that could save someone's life. And uh, also, if they always claim they have someone taking care of them, boyfriend, girlfriend that's older, and they say, you know, I've, I'm staying with this old friend or my you know, husband is 20 years older than her, um, and she won't look you in the eye and she's got bruises, just, just ask questions. Um, and then also, if, the, if somebody says they're from, and they meet these same uh, criteria, Russia, Belarus, Turkmenistan, and Iran are the four top of where sex traffickers come and bring people into the country. But you've also got Syria, China, North Korea, Laos, Burma, Sudan, Congo, Papua New Guinea, uh, Venezuela, Belize, Colombia, Bolivia, Cuba, Kenya, Panama, and Morocco. And that's from the United States Department of Health. They want everyone to know these are the places to be aware of. So, yeah, I know, yeah. They don't put us here, but we do it, they do it, people do it underneath the table, and now they're doing it blatantly above the table. Not long ago, you probably remember Wayfair, you could buy products, and they were putting a name with the product, like they were saying, uh, uh, a, um, like a, a bookcase that was called the Stephanie bookcase, and it was like $15,000. What is that? Well, that's a little girl named Stephanie, and it tells the age of the wood, and that's how old the girl was. And they were doing this right in front of everybody. And uh, a lot of those websites that did that, they're still out there. Those websites are still going. You know, we still support these, these uh, businesses that do this kind of stuff. And so that's why we got to stay. I say, I believe that we shouldn't travel those places. We shouldn't buy those products. We should stay educated about it. Uh, we should speak out, speak loud, speak often, and be watchful uh, to protect ourselves and our country. Yeah, go ahead. What's that? Communism, most of them. Right. And um, when you outlive your usefulness, they'll ship you somewhere else. Um, but these are things that are really happening in our world. Uh, Paul was not afraid to talk about tough subjects. Jesus, I've heard people say before, and it really bothers me, people say, well, Jesus never got into politics. He never talked about what was going on in his culture. Every page about in the Gospel of Matthew, he's railing on the Pharisees. They were a political party 
within the Jewish culture. And not only that, Jesus says some things in Luke 13 that could have got him killed early because he rebukes Pilate. That whole part there, Luke 13, 3 and verse 5, where it says, repent or else you'll perish. He's not talking to the Jews. He's talking about Pilate and the Romans who had intentionally killed Jews and their blood was mixed with the sacrifice uh, at, the, at the feast days. And so Jesus rebukes him right there. And that's Luke 13. You can read it for yourself. Uh, but Paul will say, you know, be aware, be watchful. Uh, he also says, respect your government, but also to be watchful. Um, you're supposed to honor the king, Peter says. But we need to be aware of what's going on in our world. And I don't mean this to sound political in any way, shape, or form, but it is important if we want to protect ourselves and our, our children that we take note of it. And it is any issue that is a, a cultural issue is a Christian issue. Because our children are raised in this culture, we're living in this culture, and we have to take note and also take action when needed to protect people. Um, the early church was known for bringing people into their fold. If they were homeless or if they were widows, they could be taken into a home and cared for. The reason why we have hospitals, Christianity. The reason why we have orphanages, Christianity. Christians have come up with all these ideas for benevolence. Now, the government tries to do it too, but all of those ideas, education created by Christianity, uh, almost everything in our society today, if you take Jesus away, if you take the church away, uh, we would not be a benevolent society. We would be a, a society of chaos, which is why some of these cultures, like Jeff was saying, want to take Christianity and religion out so they can be the, the voice, they can be the, the, um, the, the authority for those certain people. Yes, Billy? Yes. According to, to their manifesto that was written in 1848, they want to do away with religion, but they want to control you and destroy the family, destroy the family unit. They take the, their goal was to take the, till when the children were weaned from their mothers, to take them away from their mothers and to train those children. And the, the communism is destroying this country. Uh, it, it's uh, people used to criticize Richard Nixon, but I'll tell you what: if Richard Nixon was the president of the United States today, communists would be dare would dare raise their head up. I promise you that. Yeah. And I'm not trying to take up for what for he him. did that yeah, wasn't right. But the, but but if you read the Communist Manifesto, mm -hmm. it will scare you to death. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is the Homosexual Manifesto is based on the same principles of the Communist Manifesto. Well, and they the, want to take your children. The, 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 the Humanist Manifesto, mm -hmm. there are five points in it. Mm -hmm. and, and the fifth point is socialist world order, communism. Right. All right. You got a question, Hunter? Uh, also, uh, you know, I know we're throwing all these countries out there, and you said something about the United States. We may not be one of the top countries trafficking the, uh, these children, but we are one of the number one consumers of this mm -hmm. child trafficking. So let's make that really clear. It, right. it is happening here. If you think it's just in these foreign countries, right. open your eyes a little bit. It's, it's here. But a point I really wanted to make, it was can something I make, that Can was, I make an addition to that real quick? Uh, you keep, you, uh, hold your point. Um, this is a reason why a pr pr predominant reason why we need to talk about pornography. Because a lot of the images that are in pornography are not two consenting adults. 
while the person in the video or picture that someone views, they may think it is an adult, it is very likely someone who's been trafficked as a teenager. And every time you click it, every time you watch it, every time you read it, every time you download it, you're supporting sex trafficking. The, the, there, there are very few consenting adults who say, you know what I want to do for the rest of my life? I just want to do this kind of lifestyle because it's a dangerous lifestyle. It'll get you killed. You get all kind of STDs. We don't want to go into all that. But the fact is, if you view pornography, you're supporting this wholeheartedly. You might as well just say, I'm all for it. Let me take my money out of my pocket and give it to the sex traffickers. That's why pornography is extremely dangerous. Is the people that are affected by it. Ultimately, if, some, if we tell this to as many people as you can see, if someone is viewing that, that is a soul. That person in that video may be your brother or your sister. You have to look at it as, in humanity, we are one big family. We all came from Adam and Eve. We need to get past all of our differences and realize we gotta love people no matter where they are, where they come from, what they look like. And when this comes to a head, there will be many, many times that people will say, I didn't know, and that happens in the movie. I didn't know, I didn't know, nobody told me. I didn't know the girl was underage, I didn't know the boy was underage, I didn't know, you shouldn't be doing that in the first place. But a lot of it, it comes back to this, this thing. Go ahead, sorry. So this was kinda, they kinda said it a couple times in the movie, um, but it's in Matthew 18. Sorry Steve, sorry Steve. And it's also in Luke chapter uh, 17 as okay. well. Uh, Jesus says it a couple times, and he, so there's some emphasis on this, I do believe, but it says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him uh, if a millstone was hung around his neck and he were drowned into the depth of the sea. I'm pretty sure if Jesus took causing a child to sin that seriously that he said it would be better for you to be drowned in the sea, Yeah. imagine what he's how he feels about you molesting or hurting a child. Right. It, it was, it's and that's, the same thing. That's so rare, too, that Jesus would use such graphic language. And you have to pause and say, why is it that he's constantly talking about taking care of children? Because children are innocent. And if you abuse or uh, you mess up the entire life of some little kid, you give them some traumatic event, you should, you should ultimately pay with, maybe even with your life, if you do that. Uh, Jesus says, Jesus says, if you're going to abuse little kids, this is Jesus. It's not Ray Reynolds. This is Jesus. If you're going to abuse little kids, I want you to go get a big millstone, big old huge stone. I want you to tie it around your neck and go kill yourself. That's what Jesus said. I want you to put this on your neck and go drown yourself because the world would be better if you weren't in it. That's how harsh God feels about the abuse of children, of widows, of weak, of homeless, of helpless. God intends for the church to be his hands and feet. Now that is, that's one of the few times that we listen to Jesus and we go, man, that's pretty harsh. Now, is he using that because he expects them to do it? No. Same reason when he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it out, cut it off. Um, there, we knew a guy, I knew a guy, I didn't know him personally, but I knew someone that was friends with him, and he cut off his hand because uh, he, uh, he had sinned. And he, but then he said, I started sinning with the other hand, so what are you going to do? Cut the other hand off. Um, the, the, the image Jesus gives is it ought to be a drastic thing. If you sin in such a way that you can't keep yourself from it, then you need to get as far away from that as you possibly can. And if your eyes are causing you to sin, cut them out of your head. That's not because he wants people to do that. But it's just to kind of put the emphasis 
where you go, oh my goodness, that's pretty, you know, that's wild. But Jesus is saying, this is how seriously I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He had stopped to wash their clothes at the laundromat. Yeah. And she did that and uh, saved her. It saved her. Right. Because someone saw them. I forgot to put that in the slides. But yeah, there's that sign. And it's, what is it again? It's four and a fist. Yeah. So if you see that, and sometimes they'll do it behind their back. You watch if you see a, a little girl looks uncomfortable. I know in uh, most places of business, they have code Adam that they'll lock the doors down and search for a child. Uh, last week, I love the um, On the Road series, and I can't remember, it's NBC or CBS, I think it's CBS, it's an On the Road series, and this guy comes on once a week, I think it's Sunday night, and he gives this little story about some neat little thing that happened on the road. And he tells that story about the kid who, uh, he saved the bus, the guy had a, a seizure, driving, the bus driver had a seizure, and this kid sees it, and he runs up and slams on the brake, and he saves everybody. And they call his dad, they're like, hey, we got to talk about your son. He's like, what did he do? You know, and he says, no, it's a good thing. He saved everybody on that bus. And you're like, that's a good story, but he's not done. He says, this got us to thinking. We interviewed all the children on the bus. All the, ch all the children on the bus. We interviewed all the children on the bus. He's the only one that saw it. Do you know why? Every other kid on that bus had a device. He was the only kid. His parents did not let him have a cell phone. And so he was able to be situationally, the situational awareness. He could see around him. So if we, even when we eat as a family, when you go to a restaurant, if you go to, you know, Walmart or you go to Publix or wherever you go, Piggly Wiggly, have situational awareness. Look, when you come into a room, I do this all the time, is when I come into a room, I look for the exits. Look for the exits. Um, when, you, when you're in a group of people, don't hesitate at all. Kind of look, don't stare at people while they eat, you know. But if, if you see something that is out of place, take note of that. This boy got up out of his seat, put the foot on the brake, saved every kid on there. And when they do the interviews, it shows them one by one. Oh, I was listening to my, my iPod. I was on my phone. I was playing a game. I was texting. The only kid on the bus that didn't have a phone is the one who saved the day. So we've got to learn to put our devices aside and really focus on what's going on. There may be stuff happening in the house next to you. There may be, and I'm not saying everybody peers with their, and Nathan made fun of me the other day, but I had a neighbor, boy, I don't know what was going on, but I was looking, and he came speeding in there and parked that car in the middle of the grass, and I said, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to watch. Um, but be aware, and if something's out of place, here's another thing, too. If you have elderly neighbors that live near you, you should know their name. And you should know a phone number for an emergency. You, if you're a good, faithful Christian and you love the Lord, you should try to help other people. And so if you have a neighbor that's elderly, what if I'll tell you, if my neighbor went down next to me, I know his children and his grandchildren. I can call them right now. You need to know if something happens, if they don't answer the door. If you see a strange car, don't hesitate at all because we live in a very, very sad world. And I'll tell you, I'm happy if somebody checks on me. I don't mind. Yeah. Billy, I may let you have the last word. Oh, Lauren's got one. Okay.
God, God's concerned about this. He's concerned about these children. And I know that because in Genesis 21, when Sarah got a little jealous over Hagar, Abraham's handmaid, she said, I want you to get rid of her, in essence. So he gave Hagar and Ishmael provisions and the water and they had some water left and she put the boy under a, a tree, put Isaac under a tree one a distance, says a bow shot away so, and because, so she couldn't hear his crying before he died because mm -hmm. they thought they, he was going to starve to death, die. But the Bible says in verse 18, God heard the voice of the lad. I believe God hears the cries of these children Absolutely. All, all over the world. I believe God hears them. And we've got to start hearing and doing what we can in our part of the world. We live in a little piece of the world. It's a, a, a bucket, a drop in a bucket part of the world. But if everybody start doing their part, mm -hmm. and I, I haven't seen the made it move. We plan to go see it. But I appreciate uh, them raising the awareness of this in our country because it's been a problem a long, long time. Mm -hmm. Some time ago, I was getting up material for a sermon on the family, which I've done more of, probably done more preaching on that in baptism. <laughs> but, and then I found out that the Super Bowl that year, at the Super Bowl, it was down in Florida that year, there were 10,000 prostitutes. Hmm. You think they're all old women? This has been a problem a long time, and it's one of those things people don't like to talk about, and, and people in Washington are not going to talk about it because probably some of them are involved in it. Right. That's exactly right. Be aware, too, of your friends, your children's friends, too, because they may be, those families may be, think twice, by the way, I don't know why we let our kids sleep over at people's houses. You know, they don't need to sleep over at somebody's house. But be, be cautious when you send your children to somebody's home. You really need to know that parent, those parents. I'm, and I'm, what I'm saying now may save you from a lot of headache and counseling and medication. But don't, if you, if you can, don't ever allow your kid to go with someone that you don't know thoroughly well. We have a rule at Titus Camp, okay? We have the best camp on planet Earth, I'm telling you. We have the best kids and the best counselors. And the reason why is we tell our counselors, we only will have you as a counselor if we all, everybody in that room that votes, trust to take you to, or to give you our child. Come here, Birch. I'll let you. If you're going to take this kid right here all the way to California and back, if I won't trust you with my kids, okay, if I won't trust you with my kids to California and back, you're not going to be a counselor for camp. And so that's why we have a very limited number of people that we trust. Okay, you guys are good. All right. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldswrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldswrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. 
To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.